The response to the recent episode about the Cicero race riots of 1951 has been so strong, I decided to record a few extras that didn't make the final version. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, stop here and please do so. Otherwise, these extras probably won't make much sense. Enjoy. The Clark family arrived in Chicago in the fall of 1950 and moved into a rundown house where they paid $50 a month to the landlady who insisted on keeping control of the sun porch, even though she never used it. It turns out this was a legal gimmick that allowed her to bypass rent control laws. The landlady still occupied the house. I'm using finger quotes here. The Clarks were only boarders. The landlady soon tried to raise the rent to $80 per month, and the Clarks refused. The landlady then decided to make staying there unbearable. She stopped paying the gas bill, which was cut off. She stopped buying fuel oil, so the Clarks had no heat. Keep in mind, they had young children. A few days before Christmas in 1950, Mrs. Clark returned home to find strangers in the house. The landlady had invited her daughter and three grandchildren to stay in the Clark's living room. The landlady told them, quote, if you don't like it, move. Fed up, the Clarks moved out. Harvey Clark quit his job selling insurance to drive a bus for the Chicago Transit Authority while looking for a new place to live without success. Former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, who starting in 1935 wrote a nationally syndicated newspaper column six days a week for over 25 years, mentioned the Harvey Clark incident in Cicero in her July 18, 1951 column. After talking about a number of catastrophic floods and fires in Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, she wrote, quote, the other serious disaster from the point of view of human relations and our reputation in the world was the riots in Cicero, Illinois, brought about by the fact that a Negro family had moved into a certain apartment house. I suppose this apartment had no other Negro tenants, and it may have been in a part of the city where few Negroes had resided. This is no excuse, however, for the kind of behavior that lowers our standing in the eyes of the world. In their July 26, 1951 issue, the Los Angeles-based California Eagle, which at one time had the largest circulation of any African-American newspaper in California, reported that Cicero's mobsters, their words, not ours, quote, vented their spleen, end quote, on the federal judge who tried to protect the rights of the Clark family to move into their apartment. U.S. District Court Judge P. Barnes, who had ordered Cicero officials to, quote, cease molesting the Clarks and to afford to them protection, end quote, woke one morning to find loads of garbage dumped on his lawn in Western Springs, Illinois, about nine miles from Cicero. After the riots, Harvey Clark Jr. heard from an employer from Nashville who reached out to him via telephone Thinking Cicero was predominantly Italian, the Italian employer was especially apologetic because he feared Clark might suddenly become anti-Italian due to the events there. A Franciscan priest, Father Leon Sullivan, visited the Clark family while passing through Chicago. In a note to them, he wrote, quote, I'm sickened at the thought of the awful inhumanity Americans could show to a fellow American in the land of love despite all its injustice. Let's work together to remove some of that injustice. 
Father Sullivan, it should be noted, had a similar experience when he was expelled from China as an undesirable person. The Chinese government arranged a public trial and condemned him as a, quote, enemy of the people, end quote. One more story for you. There was talk in 1952 of Cicero considering changing their name, they said, to avoid the connection to Al Capone. But most knew it was a culmination of things, including the Clark incident from the year before. Many who lived in the town were not on board. In one letter to the editor of the Berwyn Life newspaper, which also covered Cicero, the author wrote, quote, Shall we change the name of Morton High School because a few ruffians threw mud on a blackboard? End quote. Somehow terrorizing a family because of their race and destroying all their belongings and schoolboy pranks were on the same level in that writer's mind. Thanks for listening to these extras, and as always, feel free to reach out to me at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com.